You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with a different iteration of Danny Ratliff. It's John Penn. Good morning, everybody. You know what song I listened to on the way in this morning for you? What's that? Big Bad John. Big Bad John. By Jimmy Dean. Big John. (laughs) We all have our Fantastic Four shirts on today. Well, on YouTube. I like the new shirt. I feel like we're on a starship. Right? Doesn't Very it? kind of SpaceX-like. I you, like that's it. what I'm saying is, yeah, I feel like we're on the, we're on a ship, not a, sh- a ship, a ship, not ship with a P, with a P, yeah, with a P. Well, speaking of P, no. Speaking of Johnson and Johnson, which is the big news this morning, uh, we have Dow Futures up. Johnson and Johnson is going to sp- split into two companies. I actually think this is a good idea, John, because what's going to happen is they'll have their separate consumer health business. Listen, I need my baby shampoo and enema, and then I go to aisle four. But then I have the uh, obviously the prescription drug and uh, and pharmaceutical component, medical device operations. So uh, they may have gotten a cue from GE, uh, but obviously uh, this seems like this is uh, showing a little bit of spark for a very old business. So that's leading to 112 out of the 112 points. J&J is significantly adding to that mm-hmm. this morning. So we'll see. We're, uh, we're up across the board. Um, as Lance said, it's going to be a little bit rocky here through the end of November, first part of, G- of December. We have mutual funds. You're going to get some, uh, I have a feeling if you own mutual funds and they're not in an IRA, you're going to get a bit of tax sticker shock when right. you see the payouts, right? And this is the time of year when re- uh, mutual fund managers are you know, harvesting losses or rebalancing portfolios, mm-hmm. and that's going to create some gains, and they're going to have to distribute that to, to shareholders. So you're right. This is that time of year where you should expect to see that you know, sometime here over the next couple of weeks. That's why sometimes it's important. It's not the most important, but I will tell you, if you want to reduce tax drag in your overall portfolio, um, even though costs of mutual funds are higher. Now, they have come down over the years. You're better off holding them in a tax-sheltered account, right? So at least when all this payout occurs, you're not going to owe taxes on it or in your Roth. So when you see those payouts, this may happen in some of your funds in your retirement plan. Right. Uh, that's a good place for mutual funds. Um, obviously, they make or they have tax-efficient funds, but they're nowhere near as tax efficient uh, as ETFs and individual stocks. So NASDAQ futures up 45 points, S&P up 11. So it looks like it's going to be a strong morning. Then we have, uh, we have JOLTS coming out. We have University of Michigan sentiment. Uh, November preliminary is 72.5. You know, I'm wondering, uh, obviously inflation is going to play a part in putting a little bit of a, you know, a crimp in some of these numbers because obviously that hits everybody's household and nobody's happy about it. <laughs> well, they're not. And it's what's amazing is so, um, you know, we, we have we have two children, two daughters, mm-hmm. and uh, our youngest is 19. She's a freshman in college, and our oldest is a junior in college. She's 21, and she's, she's up in Dallas. But what's amazing is, you know, our youngest daughter came home and said, Dad, 
I cannot believe how much it cost me to fill up my car with gas today. I mean, e- even she is noticing the increase even at the pump. Mm-hmm. And then our oldest daughter, like I said, who was in Dallas, she was recently in Houston, and we were driving around, and she said, wow, Dad, you know, gas prices here are actually higher than where they are where, where I live. And so even at 21, she's starting to starting to take note of the difference in gasoline prices from one area to the next. I wanted to look at her and go, how old are you? 52? What? How old are you? But she's 21 years old and she's already, you know, starting to take this all into account. So you're right. You know, inflation's hitting is, is hitting all of us and we're, and we're just, it's, you know, it's, it's more prevalent. It is for people that have lived through it. It's giving them shades of uh, memories of the seventies. That's right. Uh, but again, I, I still think this is different. Um, I don't see it as some of the inflation of the 70s because we didn't have a global market, right? You just have too many dollars chasing too few goods, which is why you need to be concerned if there's more fiscal stimulus, right? Because that directly goes out Mm -hmm. into the system. I remember talking to Lance in 2008 and 2009, and we were talking about monetary stimulus, and it's not really an, an inflation issue with monetary stimulus, but fiscal stimulus is. And Larry Summers... Uh, came out last year in an article with the Financial Times saying, well, you know, all these programs, we're going to see all this inflation. And he got reamed for it, right? And now he's making the the circuit because he was right. I mean, once you put money in people's pockets, they spend it. Now, if I don't have enough goods to fulfill uh, those needs, this is what we're going to get. We also know that some of the inflation is not going away. Right. Right. If I go ahead, if I'm Kimberly Clark, J and J, Unilever, I raise prices. I'm not. I'm not going to go in and lower prices. Right. Right. Mondelez makes Oreos. All this wonderful, happy stuff that makes you happy. I love Oreo cookies. Okay. Just putting that out. Well, Mondelez, yeah. you know, they went and had a seven percent increase in price. Now, I don't think Mondelez is going to lower. Prices, but they're going to shrink your Oreos, John. Oh, of course. Or put a little less in the package. Well, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Oreo shrinkage is going to be real. So you better watch yourself. That's a sad Uh, day. Yeah. Shrinkage as you get older. It just happens. So, um, so that inflation aspect, you got to keep in mind. And I think it was the CEO of Procter & Gamble said, you know, it's a game of pricing power, right? And that's why people are go, I don't understand, inflation's higher and the market likes it. Well, companies for the first time in a long time have the ability to raise prices and you're willing to pay for these goods, right? Well, and- so it's like a little bit of a paradise as margins can be healthy. Here's the question that we may not know when the answer to. How far can you push these price increases? And this is what the CEO of Procter & Gamble said. He goes, you know, I don't know how long we can go or how many pushes we can make in price So say Tide Pods, right? Sooner or later, we might have to eat some of these costs, which may be dangerous for profit margins, yeah, but maybe by then they'll some- They'll get squeezed. They'll sure. get squeezed. So maybe about some of this will be transitory. So I still think some of the, the equity markets in the transitory camp, the bond market is moving more into some of this stuff, some of these higher prices are absolutely permanent. I wrote about four weeks ago that I think energy prices for Lance's blog, for our real investment advice blog, that I think energy prices are gonna remain higher for longer just because we stand in our own way, Mm -hmm. right? There's a political headwind to some of these things that we can't quantify yet. 
but it's going to mean higher prices for all of us. What do you think? Well, I, I think so too. And and to your point, you know, I think c- companies are going to test just how far can they go to, because they're all you know trying to absorb higher costs for the for the goods that they use to to manufacture their products that they distribute to all of us. And certain companies are going to be able to pass these prices on to consumers better than others. So it'll be interesting to watch how that all develops. Yeah, it is. JP says Grandma Rosso would not have liked the price increases. She would curse. I'd have to separate myself from her in the most of the aisles at the local supermarket because, oh, my gosh, what is going on here? So we'll be right back with more of Financial Fitness Friday. We're going to talk about, hey, how many folks in retirement have debt? You might be shocked to hear about it. Uh, tomorrow, we have year-end economic review. Candid Coffee back tomorrow. And next year, whole new suite of Candid Coffee for you. But this is your Saturday morning wake-up call on all things you should know from across the kitchen table. Uh, of course, Lance never plays along. I'm in my robe. So is Danny. And, of course, Mr. Roberts is in his RIA shirt. Maybe not our new bowling shirts, but some of the old ones. Um So this is our year-end economic review. We're going to be talking about taxes, interest rates, pending legislation, and, and of course, uh, with special barista Lance Roberts serving up Nescafe coffee, the instant stuff, um, we're going to just go through what we think about markets for next year. We are, let's say, a little edgy over the headwinds we might see next year. Number one, thankfully, because of the Fed. That's right. They may be, be, I heard Bob Dahl yesterday, who is like permeable, share concerns, and he was talking about how the Fed might be behind the eight ball. And of course, I'm always talking to the TV. I'm like, no, mm-mm, Sherlock. Yeah, well, the Fed, the, I we mean, should check your eight ball. I don't even, I, my magic eight your ball magic says, eight ball. yes, yeah. we're having trouble next year. <laughs> so my magic eight ball is pretty good, guys, I'm going to tell you. Um, so uh, tomorrow, it's 8 to 9 a.m. before you start your day. It's an hour-long Zoom webinar. You go to Real Investment Advice. You sign up. And if you haven't signed up for, say, our daily commentary, where Lance will get it to you or Mike will get this information to you about what you need to know for today. And what I like about the daily commentary, it is right to the point. There's not a lot of junk in it. It's like, here's what's going on. Here's what you need to know. Go have your coffee. Kiss your wife or your husband. Go have a nice day. It's very concise. You know, I think it's a, a pretty quick read, but it's full of a lot of great information about what's happening now and what sh- what should we all be aware of. So definitely, like Rich mentioned, uh, go by the website realinvestmentadvice.com and, and make sure you sign up for the daily commentary. It's a great it's a great resource. Now I want to tell you, I may not be here next week because I just wrote some on the way here. I wrote some lyrics, uh, and I think Luke Bryan is going to pick them up. So not only am I going to get paid, I'm going to get royalties. This is a lot of so hype gotta, coming right so you here. you to tell me. I wrote this in like two minutes, okay? Because that's how you can write a Luke Bryan song in like two minutes, right? Because <laughs> you just have to have a truck, a sundress, and whiskey or whatever, right? So here we go. Can't fill the truck. Just my luck. I ain't got a dollar left. My gas tank dry. I can cry. I have no one to call. Making fuel out of rubbing alcohol. My girl has no beer, just a shabby old sundress. Oh, what a pain, this damn supply chain mess. The whiskey is strong, the wind is hot. Jackson's Toyota has no cars on the lot. 
Fill the truck with my last buck. A drop won't get you far these days. I hit the gas, my truck won't move. Even my tractor's got no groove. My tire's bald, no rubber to be sold. My girl in the cornfield tried to call, but she's too busy making ethanol. Oh, my wallet. Oh, my nation. Without hesitation, my truck is stalled at inflation station. Thank you, Luke Bryan. You will be buying this for me. I wrote that in 1.5 minutes. I think you have something there. (laughs) Look. Add the sundress. Right? I just had to throw in the truck. Little bit of whiskey. Jackson's Toyota, whoever that is. No trucks on the lot. What do you think there, uh... You, you left out the dog. Brent's my manager. Oh, yeah. You got to work a dog in there somewhere on the porch. Yeah. Yeah. His tongue is hanging like when I'm, I'll, you know, yeah. again, I think for too close to two minutes work, I think I did pretty That's good. Pretty good. That's Very old, impressive. Big old hound. Is what hey, Terry, yeah. keep your day job. <laughs> listen, this might be my, listen, two minutes. <laughs> the inflation blues. And Luke Bryan can add some tunes to it. You ever hear some of that stuff? All you need is one hit. All you need is That's one it. hit. Just one. One hit, one sundress. One pair of boots, yep. you're done. Right? Like Beth Dutton on Yellowstone. Catch Yellowstone. Hey, a uh, recent Magnify Money survey set out to identify what a dream retirement looks like. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But most consumers surveyed expect to be retired in debt. Listen, this is nothing new, John. Right. Right? There's a way to do it, uh, especially for people that may look to make this decision to pay off their house, Right? depending on the interest rate they have. Do I want to be cash poor? So keep that in mind. So 46, here's some of the key findings of this. 46% of Americans think they'll retire in debt. I think that's fairly reasonable. Mm -hmm. From a lot of studies I've seen, it's been at least 50 or a little over 50% of retirees. Because listen, time runs out. You have to retire. It's now what kind of debt do you have? Right? Is it credit card debt or is it mortgage debt? If I were to move, right, how much would I pay in rent? So I'm probably going to have a mortgage payment, especially if I've refinanced multiple times. So I'm not sure that's such a bad, you know, a bad situation. It's how much debt that you have. So I just think it's more of a reality. Years ago, like my grandparents, they would have never retired with debt, right? It was, well, they never used debt. How many people actually used well, and now it's so mainstream, right? And it's right. just so. And to your point, is you know how manageable is that debt? You know, and you know there are a lot of folks that we talk with that and, and work with that that use credit cards, but they use them in the right way, right? They they absolutely do. they use it for their their regular expenses and they track their expenses. Maybe they're earning points or, or travel rewards or whatever that may be. But then they pay that balance off, you know, every single month. They don't they don't have a running balance on it. So they actually use it as a tool. And it actually helps them budget and track their expenses. So that, to your point, there's a difference between debt that's manageable and, and not. Big difference. Absolutely. I mean, you can as a retiree. Plus, it keeps your credit score active. Sure. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having a decent credit score through retirement because you might want to take on debt. If you're going to leverage possibly low rates, or is this the time of where low rates are going away, um, they may just be going away temporarily, right? Because we looked at where wage growth is. So you're averaging about 4.9%. You're about 1.5% below cost of living. And that's just on the CPI. I just mentioned that Mondelez was going to raise prices by 7%. How much has gas gone up? How right. much is uh, dairy, meat, right? So um, p- 
people understand that you know eventually rates might go lower again, even though we're in a temporary. Hey, they got to move uh, on the Fed side. So having debt, depending on the debt, may not be a bad idea. Leveraging credit cards to get points and so forth. Great idea. Sure. Right? So the 46% of Americans think they're retiring debt. Now, at the same time, 54% have no plans to work with a financial plan or retirement specialist on their retirement goals. How dare you? Now, I can sort of understand it because if you're working with, maybe if you're working with a traditional broker, I don't know how, how well your goals are going to be assessed as opposed to, hey, I'm just trying to sell product. But to actually get a comprehensive financial plan, right, John? figuring out what your goals are, what your needs are, what your wants are, what your wishes are, to get a really good feel of the prep that you need. That's right. And, and through that plan, too, you can also determine just, you know, really at the end of the day, what's the rate of return that your assets need to make over time mm -hmm. for your plan to be successful? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we meet with folks and they think they have to try to beat the market every year. We, we need to take the risk that's necessary to try to outperform the S&P 500 every year. And that may not be the case. And through the through a comprehensive plan where you plan for that next chapter of your life, mm -hmm. you may find out that your rate of return is much less than that. That you have a very reasonable rate of return. Figure out what is your hurdle rate? What is the rate of return that you need to make over time for your plan to be successful? No, that's true. When you right. think about it, people might say, hey, I, I want to look to beat the S&P. And even if they do, they're not really looking on the downside or the risk they're taking to get exactly. it. Exactly. And that's so important. So you do, to John's point, you do need to know that. So I think a lot of people or retirees may not work with a planner. It's not because they're, they don't want to. I think they're afraid to because it, is a, it does bring everything to the surface, right? Oh, it does. And we're all, it's, it's, it's an emotional process, mm -hmm. right? And that's how we are as humans. And that, that's just how we're wired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you, you know, sometimes it's easy to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to log into my accounts today. I don't want to look at it because it does bring that sense of reality. Or, you know what? Hey, I really need to look at a budget, but I already know what the answer is. I already know I need to maybe trim back some of my expenses or, or, or make some alterations to, mm -hmm. to you know, how much I'm saving. I know it's there in my mind. I know I need to make those changes. But if I don't see it on paper or if somebody really doesn't mention it to me, you know, maybe I'm not going to take it as seriously as maybe it's not that reality, but I know I need to make some changes. I know I need to do something different. So maybe that's going to keep me from going and sitting down with somebody because, you know, Rich, you're going to tell me, hey, John, you need to make some changes for this to work. Right. And, and that's, that's when right. it becomes reality. Yeah. It's emotional. Absolutely. And Joseph Williams on YouTube says, well, listen, hey, even if you pay off the mortgage, taxes or insurance are as much. Oh, right. I mean, you have a mortgage payment whether you want it or not. It right. just may not be debt. And I do think that you should go into retirement as debt-free as possible. Like a lot of times we recommend people say, hey, listen, you got some big jobs you want to do in the house, right? You want to put in a new patio. You want to get the house ready to, to maybe age in place. Uh, you need to replace the air conditioner. Do it. Do it before you retire. Get a lot of this stuff out of the way. Um, so you want to go into or launch into retirement as financially successful as you can. And that means taking on much less debt. But in reality, it's just not working that way. Yeah. Just how people are wired. Now, this is pretty funny. Maybe this is where you're seeing the, 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 um, the heat of crypto, right? I can be a crypto millionaire and get out of this thing and retire early because nearly 30% of millennials and Gen Zs want to retire 
before they turn 50. And more women want to retire before 50 than men. I can hear Lance. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like that crazy, like, Joker laugh. Yeah, but maybe they're not living in a house. You know, there's van We're going to talk about how their lifestyle is Let's talk compared about van to baby boomers. Yes. Hey, you know, a blonde and a brunette are in a car, and the brunette mentions that Christmas falls on a Friday this year. And the blonde says, I hope it's not the 13th. Bada bing. That was a dad joke from dad Brent Clanton this morning. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk more about this and some more of the year-end smart money moves that you should make. There's still time here on Financial Fitness Friday. We'll be right back. And welcome back. So TK on YouTube goes, hey, risk is big when you retire because it's hard to recoup losses when you aren't working. It's a totally different mindset. You go from Tim Allen to Wilson. You cross the fence into a different life when you retire from a portfolio perspective because you are now in withdrawal mode. You're not in accumulation mode and almost all advice out there by financial media is based for accumulators. Mark, it always comes back. Yeah, well, it does. Uh, I might not live long enough, though, because if the markets are down 10%, 20%, and that's what I'm down, say, at the beginning of retirement, and I'm withdrawing 4%, 5%, I'm way behind the eight ball. So the, the way, one, the market performs in the first 10 years... And my withdrawal rate in the first 10 years will dictate success for the next 10 and the next 10. That's right. So, so big losses in retirement, not a good thing when it comes to if you're depending upon variable assets for fixed rates of return. That's another one of the oil and water kind of rules that we have in finance. That's right. That so, make no sense. you know, that's why, too, when we're helping folks looking at retirement plans, you know, how, how would it look? How would your plan be affected within if, if within the first two years of your retirement if you have negative market returns? And Rich, like you said, yeah. and you're also withdrawing from the portfolio at the same time. It's a different feeling because when you were in accumulation mode and you had your regular stream of income coming in from your employer – well, now that you're retired, maybe you're working part-time. Maybe you don't have a as a high of stream of income as you had before. So that does help. But when you get into retirement mode, now you're in distribution mode and you're retiring into a headwind. So you have negative market returns and you may need to pull from your portfolio. That's just a whole different emotional game right there. Yeah, withdrawal rate. <laughs> Making fun of my accent. <laughs> um, keep this in mind. To your point, I have a million bucks. Now with the market turned down and my my distribution, say I'm down to 660. Am I going to feel comfortable taking money from that account in the following year? Or am I going to go out and work for McDonald's? Right? Mm -hmm. Think about it. Sure. I, I, I'm leaving myself vulnerable. I'm not a human capital earnings machine where I'm going out there making money and putting money into my accounts. So it does require a different um, mindset, sure. like you said. And you can feel more, more vulnerable because, hey, these accounts are coming, back, coming down and I can't replenish this. 
and it causes people to make big changes. That's why when we do right lane classes, right? That's why we do this prep, because how many people during a market derail have to get back on the freeway of work, even though they don't want to? It is what it is. So nearly 30% of millennials and Gen Zs want to retire before they turn 50. Now, you brought up a very astute point, is they look at life differently. They do. They are okay with living smaller. They don't want a lot of stuff. I especially notice this with Gen Z. Like my daughter, they they don't want a lot of stuff. Like when they say, what do you want to get for, what do you want for Christmas? Please no clothes, please no stuff, right? It's it's ingrained in them yeah, our, to, to live that. How do you, uh, do you see that? I see that too with our own daughters and uh, it's just a different mindset. It's just kind of um, just different behaviors and both of them actually turn me on to these, these series on YouTube where, you know, there are, you know, young generations and older too, but it's mostly the younger generations that you mentioned, Rich, where, you know, they don't want the big house. They don't want to deal with paying a mortgage. They don't want to deal with paying the property taxes or the homeowner's insurance and everything else that comes along with being a homeowner. You know, they go out and they buy an ambulance and they convert it into a, you know, a mobile home that they live in on a regular basis with a shower and a kitchen Dude, and everything else. Have you seen some of those conversions on Instagram of, like you said, ambulance. I saw a guy turn a hearse into a place I want to live. It was I a, mean, not right, you know, not in, not for the final drive. I mean, yeah. <laughs> on the along the way. Um, I mean, I am amazed. And, and even Holmes, say, for example, like D.R. Horton, right? The CEO of D.R. Horton was on TV yesterday. Uh, some of the new D.R. Horton homes are much smaller. smaller. But there is a use for every bit of space. They look bigger. Because they're understanding this new generation may want to own a home, but unlike baby boomers, like the Lance Roberts estate, right, 7,000 square feet, you need a map when you walk in. They don't want this. It echoes when you walk in, hello. It does. Yeah. It goes, you go, hello, and the echo back, you know what the echo back is? What? Get out. <laughs> so you have to keep in mind that it is our definition of retirement, our vision is very different than the younger generations. Now, they love money. They love the security. They love the ability to not have to depend on kind of anything mainstream, which is why you sit, you see Bitcoin and other bits and bytes doing well. If you look at Reddit boards, you really get a good feel for the cult of this. The emotion behind, you knock us down, we'll come back stronger. What was that? Like, like uh, Mel Gibson, freedom. Well, you and, know, it's like that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and something that I'm noticing too, even with the younger generation, at least the the folks that I'm talking mm -hmm. with, they are hungry to learn. They're eager oh, well, to learn. Oh, that's nice to hear. Right? That's a new one. They want to know what is the difference between a regular IRA or a Roth IRA, or what is this that I'm hearing about? Do I have the ability to contribute to a Roth 401k plan? And I hadn't seen that in a while. Well, to your point, and it's a good one, is after the financial crisis, we lost a generation of investors. They didn't want to be in the stock market. It's so different. It's so different now. You, what we worry about is they don't understand what bear markets are, or I get told, listen, Gramps, <laughs> there's no such thing as a bear market because the Fed always, I mean, I had literally a you know, 24-year-old tell me that. What am I supposed to say? Yeah. Because... He's right. Yeah. Every time the market, you know, has a blip, the Fed doesn't do anything. Now think about what they should be doing now. 
you know, great article by, uh, by Mike about stonks, which is the sort of a crazy term for stocks, but uh, talking about why the Fed has all the evidence to move and yet won't do it. Because now you have more younger investors in the market as well, and you will sour them as uh, to investing um, or whatever they're doing, speculating. So, and you know what I also learned on What's Reddit? That? These younger people despise Robinhood. It makes me wonder how that, that stock's going to do in that company because I was shocked to read about, oh, well, he's just another billionaire sellout with nice hair. Uh, he's, uh, you know, I think it was because of that one time they stopped trading on some of the meme stocks. But their reputation with... I mean, I went through all these boards, and there's almost all this commentary about avoiding Robinhood. That's not a good thing. No, it's because not. Because that's how these that's how these younger people get their information, right? So, well, we were talking about the study. So, this nearly thirty percent of millennials and Gen Zs want to retire before they turn fifty. Some might be able to do it, depending upon the uh, you know the hearse they're going to live in. Um, 43% of Americans fear their retirement dreams could be derailed due to Social Security running out. They must be listening to Lance. Um, and 22% worry about losing their savings in a stock market crash. And we just talked about this. That is a valid concern. Your allocation needs to fit the distribution mode, which means that, hey, gosh, everybody's making all this darn money and taking all this risk, and I'm sitting here making three, four, five percent. Okay, but your downside risk, because you're in distribution mode, you cannot afford to take the chance. Now, we have a rule at RIA. One of the rules that I created was listen, what happens, John? We used to work at uh, the same place together, mm -hmm. right? And you set an allocation for somebody. Say, you're, say you tell a retiree, hey, you should be 20% stocks, 80% and more conservative stuff. You what, what happens is you never change it. No, it's static. Right? It, it doesn't move. But what happens, say, 10 years down the road, which is what I've done with people I've worked with in distribution mode for 20 years now, valuations get better. Like after the financial crisis, someone who's been in retirement, in the groove of it, knows their budget, why can't I take a 2080 and move them to a 4060 or 5050 because I have a better market environment. So even though you retired, that doesn't mean that your portfolio goes into some cement block and you never change the allocation. At 23 times earnings or less, you can make the move. After the first five years and you're in that groove, because what happens, right, John, after two years, three years, you sort of know your budget, you sort of got over what we call the black hole of retirement. The money's coming in. You know, you're just breathing easier. If I came to you and said, John, you've been retired five years. You, you know, here's your spending rate. Here's how the portfolio's performed. Valuations are better now. Let's, let's make your portfolio breathe yeah, a little bit. Let's nibble a little bit more. Right. Sure, take advantage of the better valuations. I mean, you're not dead. You're retired. Yeah. So and why does your portfolio have to die? And that's also called prudent portfolio management. Ongoing. It's right? ongoing. Correct. Yeah. So, and I don't think Social Security is going to be going away. It needs help. Doesn't take much to help it, but it does need help. Danny talked about some of the uh, improvements, changes, awareness around Social Security. Uh, we get back. We're going to continue on this 
study and ooh, it's the last is it the fourth quarter it's the fourth quarter we're almost done we'll be right back financial fitness friday stop trolling me lance <laughs> So tomorrow for Candid Coffee in the morning, I'm usually, I usually have coffee. Danny has some green pancakes Michelle makes. And Lance will probably have some big, big old bison burger or a tomahawk steak, just eating it by the, you know, by the By, by the, the bone. bone. Yeah. <laughs> Caveman style. Yeah. So Flintstone join style. Join us tomorrow with uh, Fred and Barney. And um, Saturday, November 13th, 8 to 9 a.m. Lots of good data. And some discussion about what our big concerns are for next year. So keep that in mind. Actually, really good articles uh, on the website. Is cash a good risk hedge? Lance's article. And again, I really love this one by uh, Mike. What a rate hike in 2022 might mean for stonks. So take a look at those uh, couple of articles. Uh, David Robertson's got one on there too. Sign up for daily commentary. Um, it makes Lance happy, and we all like when he's ha- happy because he can be very crappy. Um, target destinations for retirement. Texas. I sort of get that. Florida. Get that. Get that. California. I don't get it. Yeah, I didn't get it either. That was part of the... I mean, just the cost of living alone. Now, the beauty, the scenery, the water, I get all that. But the cost of living for people in retirement... Um, would not would not work. Well, those are dream destinations, right? Yes. So there's a difference between a dream and reality. What do you think? The, where do you think the dream destination is in Texas? Who South yeah. Padre? The Alamo. I like the Alamo. <laughs> the Hill Country. <laughs> yeah, the Hill Country, right? Chapel Hill, Brenham. Yeah, I'm thinking out out there in the Hill Country mm-hmm. area where all the blue bonnets are. Washington the, County yeah. may be the most yeah. beautiful county in the it, state. It is. Yeah. That is a beautiful county. Every year when my, my daughter was little, I'd drag her to the Alamo. Not again! <laughs> yes, we're going through the Alamo. <laughs> and uh, now talking about infa- inflation with Grandma Rosso. Grandma Rosso bribed the local manager of C-Town, which was a really dumpy supermarket, by the way, in Brooklyn, um, to give me a job. Now, I was below age. I was younger than I should have been at the time for that kind of a job, but she says I needed to get to work. Um, So I was like 11, 12 years old, and she bribed him, the manager, with a new brand, new spanking CB radio. Oh, because my dad owned a CB radio store, and she just swiped one of the radios. <laughs> one day she walked in, she took the box, and she left. <laughs> Anybody want to keep account for Grandma? She just took a radio. So nobody messed with Grandma Rosso. No, she saying. took a yeah. box, uh, and I didn't know what she was going to do. I'm like, was my grandmother going to be on the CB now? This is going to be the <laughs> weirdest thing. What, is she going to share recipes? <laughs> What's Grandma Rosso going to do with a CB radio? To get me a job. Yeah. Even though I already had a job delivering papers, like, why do I want to go unpack boxes at Seatown? You're going to do it. You got the job. Okay. So Grandma Ross, I knew how to deal with um, inflation. She used high-priced products to get her way. And inventory Um, shrinkage. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, the CB radios were sort of big at that point. You know what I'm saying? Now, now you probably, I meant you would remember this. John wouldn't because he's, you know, he's a baby. Well, thank you. I, I take that as a compliment. The size of coffee cans at the supermarket at the bottom shelf, the big metal ones. Yeah. Like you were able, I don't know how many ounces those things were, no, but you could, it was you like could a really, five pound can. You wasn't could it? bathe your dog in those things. Yeah. Hey, now I remember those. Do you remember those? I remember those. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> My grandparents kept every single one of oh, them. Oh, that's right. And they would store everything. Well, store was, you would open up their cabinets and it would just be coffee cans. It's like, what's in this? Washers. There's like a thousand, I don't know how many thousands washers were in there. It's like, what and are you going to do with them? I'm going to build something with it. Okay. Every grandma and grandpa has those, had those coffee cans full of stuff. That and Cool Whip containers. Yeah. All the Cool Whip containers. <laughs> Still remember that as a kid. That too. Yeah. That's the precursor to Ziploc. Yeah. Canisters. But you know what? There was something about that thriftiness, that depression mindset. To Absolutely. never let anything go to waste that we have totally lost. I don't think it should have been that extreme because to your point, you know, grandma would keep sauce in those things. And after a while, the sauce would stain those, those, those Cool Whip. Just and everything it. tasted like sauce. <laughs> I made pudding. It tastes like sauce, grandma. Because it's in the... Everything tasted like sauce. So... You know, that was the extreme, but to have a little bit of that kind of mindset about conservation and debt and rules, we've lost that. Now, I think Gen Z, I may be wrong here, you would be able to guide me a little bit on this, John, because of the kids, but I see it in my daughter. They're very thrifty. They're a little bit more conservative, this Gen Z, than millennials and Gen X. Because I don't know if they got everything they wanted, or they're. What do you see? Do you see? I see it. They uh, they tend to want to save. They, you know, I'll just put it out to you this way: both of our kids are pack rats. They just seem to want to keep everything. Mm -hmm. And um, what's amazing is too, they like to look for deals. They like to go to the local thrift shop, thrift shops, I, and that's what Haley does. They'll come, they'll come home with a couple of shirts, and they'll tell me, "Dad, guess how much I spent on these?" I said, "Well, how much was that? Three dollars." I said. Really? And they maybe they picked out five or six different shirts, you know, sweatpants, coffee mugs, whatever they be. They said, we got all of this for less than $25. So, you know, it's it, at least it's a good habit. At least they're aware mentally. I am amazed by Gen Z's penchant for thrift store mm -hmm. shopping as opposed to just going to a store or ordering online. Um and they love saving money in those places. I would have never thought when I was that age Not to shop either. at a thrift store, no, would me you? Either. No. Mm -mm. So I am noticing with this Gen Z, even when I teach them, they are better with money. And they want to, and you said earlier, they want to sort of be engaged. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why you're seeing, you know, again, obviously, fear and greed has no age. So you see this on Reddit boards, people looking at the next cryptos and all that, but you do have a very gr group of Gen Zs that really want to learn. They keep budgets. They, they, they're not big spenders. Mm -hmm. I always wonder what corporations are going to do with Gen Z. Like, look at it now. We have like, what, 10 million job openings? Like, this labor shortage is, is unprecedented, right? And we can't get anybody to fill those jobs. You know, and if and I think and also look at the quit rate. I mean, it's the highest I think it's ever been right in the history of the series. People are reinventing themselves and what they want to do. But I really think 
you know, the younger Gen X's and Gen Z's, um, and maybe some part millennials are looking at life different. I don't know how big, like where we worked, how would you deal with a Gen Z that doesn't want to sit at their desk for 12 hours a day? How does that, how do you change that business model where they don't want to, and they don't want to have a rope around their neck to go out wherever they go to meet with somebody and you got to know every minute where they are. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like they want to have a little bit more flexibility, mm -hmm. right? And not be confined. The right? lifestyle is having a balance. And I envy that about this, this younger generation because sure. that's not something I've ever learned. I always learned like you work and then you die, right? I got that from Lance. Um, so, but the point is you work, then you die and your, your beautiful wife collects all the life insurance and gets someone who enjoys life. It's a circle of life. Um, so, but I don't see this with Gen Z. They, they are, they want to work. They're not lazy, but they don't want to sit in an office all day. Yeah. They want to be outdoors more, it seems like, and just more engaged with outdoor activities and everything else. Too. And technology's helped. Oh, or you can work from anywhere. You can work from your, from your van, from your Hertz. I can work right from you my can do Hertz. everything from your Hertz. Sure. I've got my new coffin desk. <laughs> <laughs> And it's got plenty of storage when I open it up. And grandma could be in there. I can see every time I open it, I can see grandma, store my stuff, close it. You have and plenty I've got, of room. I've got coffin desk. By the way, they are making a remake. Rob Zombie is making a remake of the Monsters. Yeah. So we may just see a coffin desk. If somebody's going to remake the Monsters, Rob Zombie would be the one to do it. It's going to be a very bloody yeah. remake yeah. from what I, I don't know how you're going to turn that show like with such a family show you're going to turn yeah, I was it in. About to say, it may not be very family friendly. You know like if you have young kids and go yeah. hey when I was a kid I used to watch the monsters. Honey come watch. Ah! <laughs> you know. Is it going to be a Herman black and white? slicing off heads of the neighbors. Yeah. Right? It's like Quentin Tarantino making it. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's just not, not going to work. So we, we talked last week Danny and I about some year-end tax moves. I mean, year-end moves in general, money moves. So we got through a lot of the tips, but tip eight was fine-tune or create a tax strategy for next year, right? And I'm not talking about, listen, we're in the throes of this tax turbulence right now. So it's difficult to plan for this, whatever this unknown has happened to be. But ultimately, and I have some people will disagree with me, taxes are going up. And there's still several steps that you could take to prepare. For example, have you had a life change? Have you gotten divorced? So I catch many single parents, John, filing single when they should be claiming head of household, which is, is a favorable, favorable uh, filing status compared to, to single. They don't, they don't switch it up. Mm -hmm. and, are, and the withholding question always comes up, right? Are you withholding enough taxes? Are you withholding too much? Well, I really like, I really love to get a refund. Why do you want a refund? It's a return of your own money. So sit down, fine tune your tax withholding for next year. The IRS website has a decent tax withholding estimator. Spend some time, go into your employer's payroll website and modify your W-2. Stop at all the refunds, at least the big ones, right? Yeah, take a look at it. Use your yeah. own darn money. Not Pops Biden. He doesn't need it. All right. Tomorrow, Candid Coffee, year in economic review, 8 to 9 a.m. Sign up at Real Investment Advice. Sign up for Lance's stuff. Great articles this week. I have to say, hats off to all the writers. Some really great stuff. 
We'll see you next week. Back with Danny. Thank you, Mr. John Penn. Pleasure just, to be here, everybody. Standing Thank in you. Mr. Uh, Mr. Ratliff, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. Bye. See you. We love you. Bye. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.